0: Well, welcome back to uh, into our summer series on Win the Day, and uh, last Sunday was a great time with the Cubas, being able to see them again and uh, and meet their little daughter. She's such a cutie, but uh, being able to uh, visit with them at, at camp as well. But um, I trust that uh, that you also were blessed by their not only your presentation but also to uh, the opportunity to help them in ministry by. Uh, prayer support, financial support, all those things. So however the Lord prompted you, I trust that you responded in obedience with that. Many years ago, Dr. Tony Campolo was teaching a class at the University of Pennsylvania when he turned an an ordinary lecture into an unforgettable lesson. He asked a student sitting on the front row, young man, how long have you lived? The unsuspecting student answered his age, And Tony Campolo said, no, 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 no. That's how long your heart has been pumping blood. That's not how long you've lived. And that's when Tony Campolo told the class a story about one of the most memorable moments of his life. In 1944, his fourth grade class took a field trip to the top of the Empire State Building, the tallest building in the world at that time. And when nine-year-old Tony got off the elevator and stepped out, uh, onto the observation deck, overlooking New York City, time stood still. He said, if I, if I live a million years, that moment will still be part of my consciousness because I was fully alive when I lived it. And then Tony turned back to that same student. He said, now, let me ask you the question again. How long have you lived? And that student said, well, when you say it that way, maybe... An hour, maybe a minute or two. (laughs) Let me ask you two questions. How long? uh, How old are you? How old are you? And don't don't blur it out, please. (laughs) How old are you? And how long have you lived? How old are you? And but how long have you lived? It's easy calculating age, but much more difficult quantifying life. It's because time is measured in minutes, but life is measured in moments. What are those Empire State Building moments for you? When was the last time time stood still? And if you turn those moments into minutes, how long have you lived? Again, we're in a series based on the book, Win the Day, by uh, the author Mark uh, Batterson. And we talked about five habits we talked about flipping the script, talked about kissing the kissing the wave, eating the frog, flying the kite and cutting the rope. And it's time now then to wind the clock on this sixth habit that we're looking at today. So grab your bible if you haven't yet or your bible app or whatever you have on your phone and uh, meet me in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16. And before we talk about minutes and moments, let me share three thoughts today. Now, the goal today is a right relationship with time. Lots of people live in the wrong time zone. (laughs) They're stuck in past tense guilt. They're paralyzed by future tense fear. And either way, they're half present, half the time, which means they're half alive. The goal for today is to close that gap between those two questions. How old are you and how long have you lived? We need to make the most of minutes and moments, but time management is not just practical, it's actually theological too. So three thoughts here before we wind the clock. First of all, time is a human construct. Time is a human construct. In 2 Peter chapter 3 Verse 8, and I know you're waiting for me in Ephesians, in Ephesians here, but in 2 Peter chapter 3, it's going to be on the screen there. We read this, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. That makes no sense in four dimensions of, of space and time at all. Uh, but newsflash, God does not exist within the space and time dimensions He created. <laughs> there's no past, there's no present, there's no future. Uh, the challenge we face is that four dimensions is all we've ever known. And in the beginning, we were created in the image of God. We have been created, creating God in our image ever since. <laughs> so we timestamp God, but that's not accurate. God is the same yesterday, today, and of course forever. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the Ancient of Days. And in the words of one theologian, God is the eternal now. <laughs> All of that to say this creation was God's way of starting the clock. We have been on the clock since God said, Let there be light. That said, the day is coming when we'll cross the space and time continuum and enter a dimension in the Bible which the Bible calls, of course, heaven. We think of heaven as a future destination. And it is, but heaven is invading earth. Eternity is invading time right here and right now. So time is a human construct. Another thought is that we live, we live forward, but God is working backward. We live forward, but God is working backward. We read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, "...we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works prepared for us in advance." Now, this is where our holy confidence comes from. God is setting you up. (laughs) I tell you right now, God is setting you up. God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. (laughs) And He's really good at getting you there. God is in the business of uh, strategically positioning you in the right place at the right time. He is ordering your footsteps. He is working all things together for good. And certainly, that doesn't mean all things are good. We live in a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people because of this thing called free will. That said, God can redeem and, 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 and uh, recycle the pain and suffering in your life. And the same God who began a good work will carry it to completion. Now, there is a fancy word in philosophy called uh, teleology. Teleology. It's beginning with the end in mind. That's who God is. And that's what God does. For us, the arrow of time moves in one direction, from past to present to future. Then Jesus shows up and He says, Before Abraham was, I am. And you go, "Ah, that's a little confusing. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, it's a great example as well. God uh, doesn't say, I will deliver Jericho into your hands. Uh, he says, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. But that's the wrong verb tense. It means, I've done this. No, you haven't. It's still there. Uh, what are you talking about? So why is it past tense? That brings, a, uh, brings us to a, a third thought. Everything is created twice. Everything is created twice. Everything was once a thought, and there is an inter- internal or mental or spiritual creation first. Then and only then is there a physical manifestation that happens. That's what imagining unborn tomorrows is all about. I just think of uh, Trisha and Moses in their home. Their home uh, uh, where they're living right now. They had that built. The thing is is that it was on plans first, blueprints, ideas that came down, and maybe, Tricia, you contributed some of those ideas of what it would look like inside the house, big the place was or what it looked as far as the living room or whatever, anyway. But then it went from plans to actually finally building the place. And if you ever visited their home, it's right over there in Happy Valley. And uh, it became, it was created once as thought and then created physical manifestation The layout of Washington, D.C. first existed in the imagination of Pierre-Charles L'Enfant, The military engineer turned urban planner just transferred those ideas to a uh, a 20-ounce piece of paper, which now sits in a plexiglass case, breathing pressurized argon gas at the Library of Congress. When we navigate Pennsylvania Avenue or run around the National Mall, we, have, we are navigating places and spaces that were once thoughts and ideas that physically, uh, the physical reality was nothing more than an idea that exists in the mind and imagination of Pierre-Charles Leifant. And this is the, the part of the, the image of God. It's that image that allows us to imagine. Now, according to the Talmud, along with everything God spoke into existence during the six days of creation, God made provision for miraculous moments that would happen throughout human history. Again, this is rabbinic tradition, but it's in keeping with God's character. He commanded the Red Sea to split apart, the sun and moon to stand still for Joshua, the ravens to feed Elijah, the fish to spit out Jonah, the fire not to burn Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the lions not to harm Daniel. Simply put, when God gives a vision, He makes provision. And we've experienced that in many ways here as a church, and I'm sure you have personally as well. But here's what I know for sure. We live at the intersection of two theologies, two realities. The faithfulness of God, which is pursuing us from the past, and the sovereignty of God, which is setting us up for the future. You're here for such a time as this, and you are here for such a place as this. And wherever you're at, that is the case. And here's the bottom line. God can do more in one day than you can accomplish in a thousand lifetimes. So you have to wind the clock. You have to wind the clock. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. You're there, verse 16. And I believe 15 involved with that too. But be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And the King James says, redeem the time. Redeem the time. In 1977, the Russian comedian Yakov Smirnov immigrated to the United States. And he was asked what he loved most about America, and his answer was our grocery stores. He said, I walked down an aisle and saw powdered milk. And he said, just add water and you get milk. Right next to it was powdered orange juice. Just add water and you get orange juice. Then I saw baby powder. (laughs) And I thought to myself, what a country. We wish, right? (laughs) It'd make nine pound babies a lot easier to have. But we live in a culture that aims at 15 minutes of fame. We wanna get rich quick. If somebody did with the Powerball that happened just recently. We want the quick fix. We are an instant gratification culture. The problem is Rome wasn't built in a day. It's probably gonna take longer than you think. As the Apostle Paul addresses the Church of Ephesus, he gives them instructions on how to live a holy and righteous life before God on a daily basis. He gives great instructions to live as the wise do, not like the unwise, and to take advantage of every single opportunity throughout each day. for each day is a gift from God. I'm going to) <clears throat> Every day is a gift is a gift from God. And the wise give it their best to pursue righteousness each day as the opportunity presents itself, and they do not waste the time they have to, give, have to serve God. And much in the same way, we must not waste the opportunity with the time we are given as well. We must take advantage to fill our time wisely. It's not only important to manage your time properly, it's also important to fill your time wisely. Now let me share some thoughts on, on managing minutes and, and then I'll share some thoughts on managing moments. Now, first of all, managing minutes. And here's the bottom line and the big idea when it comes to managing time. You don't find time, you make time. All of us are allotted the same amount of seconds every minute, the same amount of minutes every hour, and the same amount of hours every day. See, time is the great equalizer. (laughs) Nobody has more than someone else. They just manage it differently. You don't find time to train for a marathon. You make time. You don't find time for family. You make time. And how does that happen? Well, first of all, you curse the barren fig tree. (laughs) You curse the barren fig tree. Now, in the Gospels, there's a miracle that's pretty fascinating. It's in a category by itself. All the other miracles are life-giving. This one is the exact opposite. Jesus curses the barren fig tree. And why does He do this? Pretty simple. It's not producing fruit. So often, we're not good stewards of our time. We don't take advantage of every minute we are given, and we waste time when we could be using it to be productive. Filling your time wisely is to be productive in every minute you are given, whether it's used to plan or strategize or create or implement. We wouldn't be good stewards of our time if we let countless minutes go by the wayside without filling them with anything of great importance. Faithfulness is fruitfulness. Every minute of the day is an absolute gift from God, and we need to be mindful of that, of, of what we decide to do, with every single gift throughout the day. The problem is that we often let ourselves be distracted, especially in today's world of social media and online platforms. The average person gets interrupted every eight minutes, which makes it tough to be productive with every minute you're given. And if you're a parent of a little child, you're probably interrupted every two minutes. (laughs) But the average person also spends over two and a half hours on social media per day. Is that the way you want to spend 15% of your waking hours? (laughs) Advertisements are flooding our lives like never before, and it's very easy to be led down the rabbit hole numerous times a day. It takes discipline, intentionality to stay focused on what the task is before us so that we don't waste the time, that gift that God has given us. Now, I've heard it said that setting your alarm clock is a spiritual decision. (laughs) It sure is. Now, I'm not here to guilt trip anybody at all. Just as we have different personality types, we have different chronotypes as well, too. If you are a lark, you've got to guard those early morning hours because you get up early and you're ready to go and don't let anybody smother that from you. If you're an owl, it's leveraging those late nights instead of watching late night TV. You have to figure out what works for you, though in that way. All of us have barren fig trees in our lives, things that waste time, waste energy. And cursing the barren fig tree is identifying the things that waste time. It's saving time the same way you would save money. And if money is valuable to you, remember, time is money. (laughs) And so, as you value money, you value time the same way, and you can save that. And the way you can do that, one way to curse the barren fig tree is to habit stack or habit stacking. It's what we talked about before in one of the other Sundays in this series. You've got to leverage your daily routines in creative ways by creating cues that trigger good habits. A lot of habit stacking happened in children's ministry over at Labish Center where the curriculum was based upon road signs that would cue them into Scripture. It was great, yield signs, detour signs, one way signs, stop signs, all those things. It was a good curriculum. But put a book in your bathroom and you can read a book a month. Some of you have, of you have more potential than that, I hope. <laughs> Don't just listen to the news. Pray for the news. It's a great way to redeem the time. Listen to a podcast while you exercise. Listen to an audiobook while you commute. You redeem the time by turning those daily routines into good habits. And also, too, you, you curse the barren fig tree by establishing boundaries. Establishing boundaries is making pre decisions, basically, it's being mindful <clears throat> of the situation. What this means is being aware of every moment, having acute awareness of what you are thinking, what you're feeling what is going on around you at any given moment. Mark Batterson describes mindfulness as having premeditated cognitive commitments. That's a big phrase. But knowing your boundaries and not having to process your decision when the situation presents itself because you already made a cognitive decision about it long before the scenario arrived. You already have that in mind for this scenario coming down the road. You know, all you have to do is put it into practice, put it into action. So mindfulness is making the decision before you have to make the decision, basically. Joseph's predecision to not sleep with Potiphar's wife is an example of mindfulness. And Batterson says, if you wait to make a decision until you find yourself in a tempting situation, good luck with that. That's how we make bad decisions. Joseph didn't make a decision in the heat of the moment when faced with constant flirtation. He made the pre-decision not to sleep with a woman who was not his wife. Case closed. You've got to establish boundaries, then put up a no trespassing sign. and That is the case. If you want to win the day, if you want to take advantage of every moment of the day, you must be mindful and aware of what's going on even before it happens. Christ made the predecision to die for our sins, even while we were still sinners, because he was mindful of his purpose to reconcile us to God. Because of that predecision by Christ, we are able to make predecisions to lead us away from temptation. In ministry, I had made the predecision not to meet with or ride in a car alone with a woman who is not my wife. <laughs> and that just keeps me away from anything else that might be going on and also to making the predecision of not putting any vile thing before my eyes like David said in Psalm 101 verse 3 so we manage minutes by cursing the barren fig tree we also manage minutes by doing the math i like this part doing the math how many minutes or hours does it take you to prepare a meal how many minutes do you spend meet, meeting with others? How many minutes does it take you to read 20 pages of a book? How many minutes do you spend commuting, and how many commutes would it take to complete an audiobook? Once you do the math, you can reverse engineer your goals and calculate where you want to be. If I want to read a book a month, and the average book is 300 pages, then I need to read about 10 pages a day to reach my goal. So figure it out. Do the math. That's how we manage minutes. We do the math. You manage minutes by cursing the barren fig trees and by doing the math. All right, so let's look at managing moments. Managing moments. If managing minutes is a science, then managing moments is an art. It's a soft skill. It's a a sixth sense. The ancient Greeks had two words for time. One was chronos. The other was kairos. Chronos and kairos. They are two sides of the same coin, but they are as different as heads and tails. Chronos is clock time. It's where we get our word, chronology. Chronos is sequential, it's past, present, future, right in line. It's also quantitative, seconds, minutes, hours, you can measure it. And managing chronos time is incredibly important. If you don't control your calendar, your calendar will control you. And that's something that I've learned when coaching, when Randy, Myers took me aside, coached me for a year. That was one thing he hammered home. Get your calendar in line. Make sure you put down the different things you're gonna be doing, because if you don't, then your time is gonna be gone because you didn't plan out and people will come in or situations will come in and take those, that time away from you. And I'm reminded of what Coach Vince Lombardi said about being on time. If you aren't 15 minutes early, you're late. <laughs> and maybe you had, of Vince Lombardi for your, your boss back in the day. But the greatest moments in life are off the clock. They're off the grid. Kronos is all about making good time. Kairos is about enjoying the journey. The word used in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 is kairos. It's those top of the empire state building moments. It actually translates two ways into time or opportunity. It's less about getting to a particular destination in record time and more about who you become along the way. It's, It's our trip that we took from here in Oregon out to Texas to take Brianna to Southwestern University. We went by way of Utah, went through Arches, National Arches Park. We went over to Grand Canyon and saw the North Rim area. We took time with her be able to do life together, basically, to enjoy the journey and finally get to our destination. It's my trip with Brianna, driving from Texas to Oregon <laughs> and enjoying our time while the car was being fixed. But really, when the car was fixed, we found ourselves right on Route 66. We thought, wait, this is, this is cool. And so we looked around at all the different places, enjoying the journey. But it's keeping her safe, of course, but doing life together. In about two weeks, and Becky's going to take a trip with Brianna back to Texas as uh, Brianna drives uh, her new car that she got, um, new to her. And, uh, and then that car will stay out there in Texas, and she'll have her Dexter, so this is a little Subaru, here at, here at home in Oregon. Um, yeah, that thing isn't making that trip again. <laughs> not trusting it. But it's those moments of doing life together, enjoying the journey, not really trying to get to the destination. It's summiting South Sister, right, Phyllis? The journey up that mountain, trying to get up that, and along the way is where you learn a lot of things and you discover a lot of things, and you enjoy some things too as well. In a sense, it's counting the cost, and not just the actual cost, but the opportunity cost. Again, there are decades when nothing happens, and there are days when decades happen. And Kairos is all about seizing those days. It's recognizing holy moments and taking off your shoes, because it's a holy moment area. It's smelling the roses, or in the words of Jesus, considering the lilies. In managing the moments, Kairos comes into play more often than not. And one more thought about winding the clock is that it is also looking ahead through time to take advantage of every moment. Being good stewards of the time we have now means that we are making decisions and implementing things that future generations will benefit from. We see this illustrated simply by planting a seed for something to grow. If we plant an acorn today, someone, will, someone else will enjoy the shade from the oak tree it grows into 50 years from now. It is recognizing the need that may arise in the future and making the decision to act on that need today. Life insurance, I guess, would be a pretty good example about that. Uh, Maybe a a will being written out, thinking of the future. I think of Becky and I. People invested their time into Becky and myself separately um, to be followers of Jesus. She had her community, I had mine. And then we also had a community, too, where they, they came together and helped us, um, gave us the resources for a godly marriage and a godly family. And then Becky and I invested our time in raising our kids in the Lord and helped them be followers of Jesus. Now, our grandkids benefit from that initial investment that was given to us. The seeds were planted the shade of the oak tree is being enjoyed right now, winding the clock. We need to wind both the Kronos and the Kairos clocks with this sixth habit by managing our time properly and filling our time wisely. So what do I do with this time-sensitive information? This is all great and everything, but what can we do? Well, first thing I believe we can do is steward Teachable moments. Steward, teachable moments. Teachable moments are kairos moments. I think those moments present themselves all the time. But all too often, we react rather than proact. We react in the flesh instead of seeing the moment for what it is. A teachable moment. These are the moments that change our lives. And how do you wind the kairos clock? You pay attention to those promptings, of the Holy Spirit, you see opportunities where others see issues. For example, this is what we saw on Sunday night. This is our apple tree <laughs> in the front yard. Those of you who visited our house, you've seen that tree plenty of times. That's what we saw when we came home. This is actually on Monday morning, but Sunday night. I get a phone call from Brianna during the service uh, at Molnoma, and she says, Dad? <laughs> And actually, she FaceTimed me. Dad? And she turned the camera around and said, look at this. And that's what we saw. Half the tree. <laughs> round. Thing is that it didn't damage anything, and nobody was hurt. But the apple tree was split in half. That's the issue. That's the problem. That's the challenge. But you know what? It was finally pruned. <laughs> God did it. <laughs> He brought it down to my level. I just had to chop it up. and Well, oh, that's all I had to do. It was a big, big uh, job. The other thing about it, it connected our neighbor with us. Down the road, a house down the road, there's a husband and wife, young couple that have three, three girls, three daughters. And uh, they're like maybe sixth grade and on, on down. And they always wave and say hi to me when I drive by. And, and if I'm out mowing the lawn, they, hello and all that. Well, they came up with their dad and they said, can we help you in some way? And I'm there trying to (laughs) tackle this big thing. I said, well, I got got my father-in-law coming and uh, Jameson coming down from from Kelso. He's gonna help out, bring a pickup truck. And uh, um, they said, well, can we at least pick up some apples and stuff? I said, well, yeah, that might help because all those apples are just everywhere. And so the girls, they got their buckets and they started picking up the apples and they brought their own uh, recycling bin over to uh, yard debris bin and, and filled that up. We filled ours up as well, too. But during that time it connected us with the neighbor there and their daughters and just to say hi to them and thank you for what they were doing. And it was a great moment. So issues and situations then turned into teachable moment, opportunity. Happy Valley Community Church is uh has seen uh, younger days. (laughs) We don't have a youth group, of course. We don't have much of a children's ministry. Young people around here almost uh, would be me if you take Justin and Rachel and Michael out of it. But uh, as far as that's concerned, we can look at that as, as there's the problem, there's the issue, there's the situation. But we do have the opportunity to serve those who are here We have the opportunity to do ministry together and turn that around and and do something special for people. It's the senior ministries, working with that, being involved with that, involving others in in that as well too. (laughs) And somebody jokingly said, well, we could go back to HVEC and call ourselves Happy Valley Elderly Church. (laughs) I said, oh, stop it, stop it. But doing what we can with who we have and do it for the glory of God. It could be an issue, a problem, a situation, but we can see it as an opportunity in ministry. No one was better at this than Jesus though. The religious leaders wanted to stone the woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus steps up, he steps in, he says, over my dead body. (laughs) The religious leaders criticize the woman who anoints his feet. Jesus says, the world will hear what she has done for me. The disciples try to keep the kids away. We've got places to go and things to do. And Jesus says, no, let the little children come to me. Even on the cross, Jesus is all about everyone else. He says to the soldiers, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He tells John to look out for his mother. He even shows grace to one of the men hanging on the cross next to him. There are people all around us, all the time, that need us to be peacemakers, to be grace givers, to to be tone setters. Find those teachable moments. Another thing we can do with this time-sensitive information, uh, winding the Kairos clock is accumulating experiences. So we need to to be accumulating experiences. Try out this uh, little mantra for size. Don't accumulate possessions, accumulate experiences. Don't accumulate, ex- accumulate possessions, accumulate experiences. I haven't met many people possessed by a demon, but I have met lots of people possessed by their possessions. <laughs> Becky and I have made it a practice to value experiences with our kids while they were young, as well as during these days as they are an adult and having their own families, doing things together. Family gatherings, going on trips, taking the kids to different experiences and, and camping trips and stuff like that. Road trips, all those things. And the thing about it is we hear more about the experiences we've had when we have family gatherings and we start talking about stuff. We hear about, as it starts out, do you remember that time we went? Or remember that time we had? And it's all about those stories and those experiences we've had with our family. And we hear that discussed and talked about, and yeah, that was so much fun. Oh, that was great, or that was scary, or whatever it was. But they remember it. And we've accumulated those experiences in that way with our family. We hear more about those experiences when we gather together than we do about the birthday gifts or Christmas gifts that they received, the possessions. Again, there are decades when nothing happens, and there are days when decades happen. (laughs) And they come in all sizes and all shapes. So don't accumulate possessions, accumulate experiences. And how you manage time is as unique as you are, but where there's a will, there's a way. So invest your time wisely, not just for the immediate need, but for the future need as well. We are answers to prayers we know nothing about but it is because someone invested their time to pray for you years ago. And in the same way, invest your time by praying for someone else. And in years down the road, you may see those prayers come to pass. You've got to manage the minutes by turning the chronos clock. And you've got to manage the moments by turning the kairos clock as well. You need to wind both those clocks. And we need to remember that one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. So let's get busy. Let's wind the clock. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity of speaking to us. And Lord, for the opportunity we have to be encouraged and motivated to take better advantage of our time to manage our time wisely, to use those moments for your glory. And Lord, also too, to see how we might be able to invest in those, those people, or invest our time in those people that we, we know of. And whatever that might be, Lord, you're speaking to our hearts about that. If we need to be winding that clock and we haven't been for a while, Lord, I pray that we'd get back to it. And Lord, I pray also to you give us those, those people, those situations, those moments that we can encourage and influence and enjoy those experiences together. Thank you, Lord, for those opportunities you have given us in the past. And I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to give those opportunities down the road for us as well. That we would be used by you in people's lives. And who knows, it may be people on down the road that we may never meet but that we have influenced one person and that person has influenced another on down the road. And so legacy of the Christian heritage continues on. So Lord, use us in those ways and, and touch our hearts in a way, Lord, that if we haven't been winding the clock, that we get busy doing it. Get busy doing it, invest our time wisely and manage, manage those moments that will glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so very much. In your name we pray, amen.